By now, you've all heard of Italian Wine Unplugged 2.0, the latest book published by Mama Jumbo Shrimp. It's more than just another wine book. The fully updated second edition was inspired by students of the Vinitali International Academy and painstakingly reviewed and revised by an expert panel of certified Italian wine ambassadors from across the globe. The book also includes an edition by Professore Attilio Scienza, Italy's leading vine geneticist. The benchmark producer's feature is a particularly important aspect of this revised edition. The selection makes it easier for our readers to get their hands on a bottle of wine that truly represents a particular grape or region. To pick up a copy, just head to Amazon.com or visit us at MamaJumboShrimp.com. Welcome to The Next Generation. I'm Victoria Cece. Join me as we chat with young Italian wine people shaking up the wine scene. We're going to geek out on a grape or grape fam, then hear about all the wild wine things our guests have been up to, from vineyard experiments to their favorite wine bars. Welcome back to The Next Generation today. We are staying in the Veneto but also traveling a little bit to New York City with our special guest, who is a Veneto native. And as you can tell, the Veneto is going to be the theme today, all right? We're going to be talking about Corvina first, the Veneto's most important, arguably most important, red grape, and then diving into a fun interview with Veneto native Beatrice Zocche, who is currently a sommelier in New York. So if you want to tag along for that ride... Keep those headphones in. And if you're listening out loud, even better. So let's start with some fun facts about Corvina. So Corvina is an autochthonous grape. Autochthonous, indigenous, fun words in the wine vocabulary, um, which means that it originated in the Veneto. It didn't descend from some other place or evolve. It's from the Veneto, born and bred. And this grape is most commonly found in two very well-known appellations, Valpolicella and Bardolino. So when we say Valpolicella, we're talking like from, from Classico to Ripasso to Amarone, um, and it's usually in a blend. So you're not going to find 100% Corvina um, in Valpolicella wines. Um, it usually ranges from 45% to 95%, um, whereas with Bardolino, it's 35% to 95%. But moving on, Back to uh, Corvina. So its name is actually derived from the word crow, which refers to the color of the berries. Um, it's also traced to the local dialect Cruina, which means late ripening. Crua in the local dialect means not ripe. That's the first time I've ever heard that. Thank you, Italian Wine Unplugged 2.0 book, where I'm getting all my facts from, as usual. And a final fact about Corvina, the lovely red grape Corvina, is that as a wine, it is a light ruby in color with medium tannins when not blended and has a high acidity. When it comes to aromas, we're talking violets, rosemary, balsamic, a bit on the nose, and you have a bit of uh, red and sour cherries on the palate, the touch of blackberry and cinnamon. So you got sweet spice, everything nice. Oh, wait, no, what is it? Sugar spice and everything nice? Powerpuff Girls? Anyone? Yep. Crickets. Okay, so it's time to move on to our interview with Beatrice, and she is hopping on. Are you ready? Let's go. 
calling from New York. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. In my case, like, good morning, guys. So, as I told you, I'm living in um, in Brooklyn right now. Oh, super cool. We're, we traded places. Like I was saying, it. <laughs> it's it's. I'm in Verona. Yeah. I'm in the Veneto. You're in mm-hmm. New York. So, Beatrice is a som in New York. She also is working on a cool project called Chalvino which I honestly, mm-hmm. I tried to learn about by going on Instagram. And I want, want you to tell us more. <laughs> what is Chalvino? Because I love, I love the graphics. Yeah, well, it was, um, actually, it, it changed, it changed a lot during the, the time that I was here. So at the beginning, it was like a, it's like a project to making events. But then, but then it changed, I changed my mind because I had to, um, you know, I had to work basically, so I couldn't have much time to get into uh, the project better. But yeah, my idea is really connected on what we were like saying just uh, a little bit before. That is the fact that the things that I miss more that I miss more uh, here is the fact that I can't uh, really talk with people and I can't really, you know, have a a comparison with people doing my same job. So I was kind of like trying to see if we, um, like an event when bringing uh, other people that doing my same job, there would be the opportunity to talk with them, have fun with them, drinking with them. But actually you and your New York, it's kind of like um, a cage. And so it's like you get into a loop of routine of work, going home, work, going home. And the time to spend on those kind of things is really small. Chavino was born for like making events at the beginning. But now I'm thinking what to do. Uh, it's not, I mean, it's not, it's, uh, it's not finished. It was kind of like a secret thing. Um, maybe I'm gonna develop in, in something mine. It's like a new place, but it's gonna take time. Yeah, I mean the it's it's the funny it's the irony of the American dream when you come to New York. It's like you really just work all the time, <laughs> and it, it's like every time people ask me like about it, I'm like you you really do work all the time, and like it never stops. But on that, it was that like your first culture shock in New York, that kind of like you expecting there to be more community or culture shock. I would say that it's more like uh, when you arrive here. For me, as growing up in Veneto, I have to be honest, the first culture shock it was like. People don't drink here. Really, trust me. It's, it's so true. And I was, I remember my first week, like, I was really used to work in, uh, well, I was working in Vicenza, in uh, Cantina del Tormento. And trust me, people drink a lot. And it's not a matter of money or because it's cheaper. It's the culture. So when I saw here, like, people drinking two glasses of wine, I was like, this is crazy. Um, but then this was my very first culture shop, probably. But then second, yeah, so we are, you are guys. I mean, you're in the United States. I think in general, you're pretty like into your job, into your work, the time that you spend on, uh, actually comparison and like looking for a, com- like a confront, like I could say that, like a discussion is really limited. It's more like, 
oh, I know what I want to do. I know my goals. I know, I know my, what I want to, I want to spend my time, mostly of my time on doing stuff for me. That can be sports, can be work, it can be, yeah, like uh, lifestyle. So that's maybe my culture shock. It's pretty, you're, you're, you are with a bunch, a lot of people. You're in the middle of one of probably the, the more crowded place in the world, but at the same time you feel, yeah lonely but lonely is bad you feel by yourself oh yeah no that's real I like always would try to explain to people how like I felt like that all the time in New York it was like there's so much going on around me but I felt so lonely at times with like you know connecting with other people because you're so right like everyone's always doing so it's very individualistic and sure there's things you know you you gain things from that mindset like monetarily maybe you know other forms of success but when it comes to actually building relationships it's the worst because everyone has some kind of you know agenda and that's the funny thing about wine and like like the Italian wine community it's like the root of it is the community aspect right it's like to hang and not just drink two glasses of wine drink like two bottles (laughs) I still I can't believe I I'm I'm still cracking up that you're like people don't drink here (laughs) yeah exactly yeah you're living you're living in Verona right Verona is already like a city where uh, people doesn't drink too much but if you just go like in a countryside or small smaller town than Verona. Verona is already kind of like mm, there's already like a melting pot of different cultures. But if you go like in small towns, small uh, villages, you you will find out. And it's yeah, it's a part of the culture, but it's also like a way to, you know, arrive in um in a point where like say people from the same generation, maybe from different background, maybe drinking, they arrive in a point where they talk each other about stuff about things and here's something that it's not it's not common it's not bad it's not good in both cases it's just different okay so what is a normal amount of drinking for you uh well now that i'm here that i've been here uh a little bit just because it's expensive and also because it's the at the end is if nobody do it why you should do it i mean you are like in a company where everyone drinks, where everyone is having fun. Here you drink, you can have a conversation, but you don't drink that much and it's probably better. But yeah, probably, I don't know, like two bottles. If I'm with someone, two bottles per night. While in, in, in Vicenza was way, way more. So actually, no, but that opens up like an interesting discussion about comparing the the drinking culture between well we can't say america but at least like your experience in new york and like home in the veneto like what is the like what is the difference you see between the relationship with drinking com- you know if you were to compare you know vicenza and then your experience in new york well there is also like a different way to um approach the wine i think um, here is more like um, something, I don't want to say like um, luxury, but it's something really, really different. While in Italy, it's, it's really part of your life, part of like daily routine to have a glass of wine or to drink wine. It doesn't be necessarily like a lot. 
to do to get drunk, uh, but it's really part of your culture. It's like something that you you do because it's like this. And also when you're with your friends, it's not just for having dinner. Here is more connected with dinner. Uh, one in Vicenza, it's like all day long. I mean, you can start at like 5 p.m. to drink and have in the aperitivo. But then it's really, really different. And also that, that what surprised me is the, yeah, I think that the most different thing is the approach that you have with wine. While right here is more connected with going out. So you going out, you drink a bottle, maximum two. In Italy, it's something that it goes right for hours and you maybe you open a bottle, but you don't finish it because you want to try something different. Somebody is going to buy another bottle. And so it becomes like more like a, like a sharing thing. I don't know. And it's something that I miss uh, a little bit being in this industry. And because, yeah, there's sommelier industry here, so I can cope with other sommelier. But it's not the same. It's, being a sommelier here is more like a, a job, like an actual job. And it's less more what you're passionate about. So it, it's like harder to actually connect with other people in your in your job and like kind of share this. It's really hard. It's really hard. Really? It's a sharing of, it, it's a sharing of information mostly of the time. It's a sharing of thoughts, cold thing like, oh, I think about this wine, I think about this producer that it's good, good, good. It's like literally like a portfolio talking with some here while in Italy it's more like a sharing moment where you are probably drunk but at the same time you <laughs> but at the same time you can take out from your heart or your intimate part what you're really thinking about wines, winemaking, and yes, also your lifestyle. That is really important because here everyone is kind of like in his world, her world, and they don't really care about others. Wow. That's, I mean... Yes, it's, it's deep, but it's true because I experienced that. And sometimes I also say to my friends, uh, what I they always ask me, do you miss Italy? Like, of course I miss Italy. I don't miss Italy because I was working like 14 hours per day. I don't miss Italy because my salary was low, probably. But I miss these kind of things that makes me feel more like in a community. And also people that do the same job in Italy, they're kind of like a movement of people with the same thoughts and with the same goals. And mostly the, the natural wines, people. While here it's kind of like, okay, movement but not too much you know we're doing our things we don't care much about each other we are struggling all of us all of us in new york everyone is struggling stuff that's it <laughs> well yeah but that's like the, the craziest part i have so many feelings about this because i worked in wine sales briefly in new york city um when natural wine was like really becoming it was about to hit its like in like its its pinnacle and take off and but no to the point first about people struggling in new york but still being so individualistic it's so true and it's so ironic because it's like you guys need each other <laughs> you know what i mean like who cares about who's 
the coolest or who has like the best exactly you're still eating the same like two dollar pizza at the end of the night <laughs> exactly and uh, i know that it's kind of crazy but you can i mean also from my side if i decided to come to the united states mostly new york it's because probably i was missing this kind of competition i was missing the fact that italy is cool this movement is cool uh but there is a little bit of lack of competition but it's not, so there is competition in italy this is not a good competition it's just taking advantage while here you can have a say like a healthy competition between between people and businesses that ask you to be kind of like better and better in a good way and yes but this is means also be individualistic in a kind of way so so i don't regret to be i mean to have decided to be here because i know that for an italian person being here even just for like a temporary amount of i mean for not for forever it's it's good uh, it's uh, uh change you and it makes you stronger are you enjoying this podcast Don't forget to visit our YouTube channel, Mama Jumbo Shrimp, for fascinating videos covering Stevie Kim and her travels across Italy and beyond, meeting winemakers, eating local food, and taking in the scenery. Now back to the show. Oh yeah, that's that's for sure. <laughs> that's if and New York does anything is give you thick skin. But do you feel like do you feel this um lack of community even amongst like other Italians because I know there's a lot of there's a lot of young Italians in New York. Well, I feel that when I when I meet when I had the opportunity to meet Italian Italians here, I always feel that they are like they're on the same page. But But at the same time, uh, I try to avoid them. <laughs> it's it's kind of like weird things that I don't want to... We complain a lot. Now, be honest. <laughs> we complain a lot. We complain a lot. So every time that I, I like I get into... I mean, I had the opportunity to talk with other Italian here. They complain all the time. So I'm like, ah, why are you complaining? Um, but we like to complain, and then at the end, like we figure it out somehow. But I saw what, and that, it doesn't matter where you come from, North Italy, Central. <laughs> They're all the complainers. You're like only I can complain. I can't take two people complaining. I'm sorry because I know that you're there, and you know that Verona is beautiful. But how many times complain for nothing? Is is that where like yeah, say like there is soccer, and then there is complaining. Say so, our second sport. I think I think what epitomizes the Italian complaining are the notes that Italians put on cars that are parked terribly. <laughs> that is my if, if they complain in any ways and they get so creative with it too. And I thought it was like more in like like bigger cities, but in Verona it happens all the time. It's so funny. And then they'll try to write them in English too. <laughs> Because they think it's a tourist. <laughs> I know, and I'm like, nope. It's it's just another Veronese, just like you, trying to park and like illegally. Oh my gosh, that's that's 
<laughs> so funny. I mean, uh, the complaining also has passed on to the Italian Americans. Like my father is the top tier complainer. Like his name is his name is Angelo, and he, my mom says he mm-hmm. angelizes because he like analyzes and complains about everything. And she's just like, I can't do it. <laughs> um, but that's so that's so funny. But speak, being that. I, I feel like I have to always ask this because New York just gives you the best stories. What is the weirdest thing that's ever happened to you in New York? Well, I can be that it's connected with my job because most of the time I'm in the restaurant, but it's, um, you know, that here's like a trend, this orange wine or whatever that they are. Mm-hmm. That is for me, are white basically, but I had to understand that orange is like a theory here. And, um, so one girl asked me if orange wines are made with oranges and it took me like a couple of minutes to understand and tell her that no orange wine are not made with oranges and i was kind of like disappointed and yeah that's probably one of the weirdest thing that happened to me but maybe it's because really i i'm into it so i know they come from they're not come from oranges <laughs> But um, in ge- in general, but it took me really. It took me thirty seconds to uh, not laugh, and it was like, okay, uh, okay, Beatrice, think about it. Wh- how to answer without laughing? And but then, but then he, when I answer in a kind of like like a good way, her face was even more like mm, blank. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I just don't want to, I mean, don't want to discuss about that. But yeah, probably that's one of the weirdest things that happened to me uh, in my job. But in general, oh my God, it's just come to New York every day. You cross the road, you see like weird people everywhere. Uh, But yeah, that's probably um, just leaving New York. It's weird. Yeah. I think that's the best answer. Just living in New York is weird. Like every day is yeah is something, but for sure, I actually it's funny the the orange wine comment because I I you made me think like about in America especially like there's plum wine there's lots of different fruit wines especially in the South that like I actually am giving this person the benefit of the doubt because if I knew nothing about wine and someone wrote orange wine. I would probably mm-hmm. think twice. And also, given what you said first, where you're like, oh, I see it as like a white wine with skin contact, right? You're just kind of like, mm-hmm. how do I explain this when I already don't agree fully with what it's called either? <laughs> <laughs> so it was like, how can I? Yeah, how, how can I explain that? Uh, but yeah. And well, and all, like, all another bunch of like, uh, questions that they asked me about pasta and sauce and other things going on, but I, I was expecting it before coming here. Oh, but just funny. You were you were prepared for all the yeah the food mistakes that Americans make. It was ready for the spaghetti with meatballs and whatever. whatever. <laughs> if what if you want to say the stereotypes that we have because it's a lot. But are there any like are there any, um, you know, Italian American dishes or like stereotypical dishes that you actually like in America that you will admit to liking? 
you mean that I like? Well, I was well, probably. Well, I'm I'm from the north, um. So you know, the the our our dishes are kind of different. I'm not too attached to I me mean, to some recipe, but um, I don't mind to try something weird like uh, it's like pineapple on pizza. It's, come on, like it's yeah, put some pineapple on pizza. It's not it's not a big deal. I mean, oh, I'm so happy you said that. That's great. <laughs> it's, it's okay. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not straight on that. Yeah, I think people have made a big fuss about that because they can, like not because they actually thought about it. You know, like it's, it's, I mean, I don't, I don't personally care that much about it either. But it's like, actually, I had someone say that to me the other day. They're like, well, would you put pineapple on pizza, like in Italian while I was cooking? Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I, I don't find it funny because I don't think about that often as an American. But if you ask, if I'm really drunk, I will surely eat a pizza with pineapple on it. When I go and I'm sober, probably not. But like, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's so silly. Yeah. And also, well, I would say Italians, when they're drunk, they eat like bad things. So. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh, thank you for saying that. I mean, you guys eat pizza. You put fries on pizza. Oh yeah. In in freaking like in in uh like uh worst like like sausage like. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. That's so true. We can cool it with the pineapple, <laughs> like, but also it it it's true. It's like the it's different kinds of pizza, <laughs> but it's so funny. So. Wait, do you like eat a lot of New York style pizza? In if I if I eat a lot of pizza in New York, yeah. Do you like eat New York style pizza? Yeah, I had I had a couple of times, but as as I told you, I'm not a. If I have to choose what to eat, pizza probably is on the like. It's not really my favorite thing, really. I don't, I don't. It's not it's not, it's not my top five thing. So what what's your like top three? Well, if you you probably already figured out what is missing in Italy, is it Mexican food? Ah, yes, that is true. Yeah, whatever. Yes, and um, that's a good thing also about New York that it's uh you can find wherever, whatever you want, like every type of cuisine, style, culture, different culture of like dishes, and that is so cool. For for Italians, really hard to get out from our standards. So when you are here, you will understand that are also good, good good food apart from just Italian food. Oh yeah, I mean, there's it's New York is like that's one thing about New York is you can find so many different cuisines, um, and of course, like oh, that is what I miss. Like where I grew up, um, we had mostly like Korean and Turkish food. And I, I feel like I'm in, having withdrawals because I, I mean, I, I mean, I haven't had Korean food in like two months and I'm, I, it feels so weird, but that's such a privilege, of course, like where you live. Um, but so what's your favorite taco? Um, well, I had a, so many, so many here. It's so easy. You can find mm, different types, probably carne asada. Canada, if you get a good one, and I also know that at those only tacos they have other stuff, tamales, enchiladas. Um, yeah, they're probably it's like 
yeah, into that type of cuisine is, is amazing. And also experience like Peruvian, Ecuadorian. Yeah, it's, it's really good. I have a comparison with people and asking them, what's your favorite dish, uh, our culture. At the end, you will find out that having pineapple and pizza, pizza it's just, you know, <laughs> it's just our culture. We're pretty straight. But if you just travel around, you will find out that there are so many good stuff. Also, I really love South, South American food. If you go just to Harlem, you can find out like some Creole cuisine. It's amazing. So we are winding down on time, but I wanted to wrap up with a very, very important question that you could take your time with if you need to. I want you to give us your taco wine pairing, Italian wine pairing. Mm-hmm. Again, think about it. Oh, yeah. Wow, that's nice. Nice question. Um, l- lately, I'm kind of into um, chill red. People here love the chill red. So probably I would say like a light red, spicy. It's uh, good with, uh, I wouldn't say something with much tannins. I, ha- I had, thanks to... I mean, the place where I work, I can really try a lot of wines. We change our selection every week. So it is so cool, this thing. And yesterday arrived this amazing wine from Vita d'Ovest. It is um, a producer uh, in Marsala. It was his Cabernet, Cabernet Franc, if I'm not wrong. With some carbonic maturation, so it's perfect to serve chill, just low tannins. It was really, really good. I would probably pair with that. Like a good chill red from South Italy. Ooh, I like that. Why not? Just like a chill as well, though. Yeah, chill as well. If you, you know, some good producer. I really love uh, Tenuta San Biagio mm-hmm. in Abruzzo. It's really good. Uh, he has this uh, chill as well, uh, it's kind of like light red, but it's a lower in tannins um, to serve chill. It's perfect, perfect with the spicy uh, dishes. So yeah, I'm really into chill red right now, and people love them. Oh, they're fantastic, and they're so easy to drink, and they can convert white wine lovers over to the red side. Yeah, because you can. I think that light chill red can. I mean, it's satisfying for who is looking for like a like a full body wise, but also who is fine for like a like a light red. So cool. Well, thanks so much for that pairing, and thanks so much for being on Beatrice. I appreciate you so much for taking time out of your busy New York schedule. Everyone, this is Beatrice. Hope you had a fun time. Thank you. You can find her on IG and all the information below on whatever podcast site you're streaming from. And yeah, thanks again, Bea. Thank you so much, V. And hope to see you soon. Ciao. Ciao. As always, a big grazie for hanging out with me today. Remember, you can catch me every Sunday on the Italian Wine Podcast, available anywhere you can get your pods.